What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to Night Call, a production of iHeartRadio. It's 11.39 p.m. on Main Street, USA, and you're listening to Night Call. Welcome to Night Call, a podcast for your strange days and lonely nights. I'm in Los Angeles and I'm Tess Lynch. With me as always are Molly Lambert and Emily Oshida. Guys, we have a special guest coming later on. Yes. But before we have our special guest, we have another special guest. The blob. blob. (laughs) (laughs) This is my favorite science news of the year. We got a lot of requests for the blob. Certainly did. Uh, but we'll read a night email from Josh that says, Hi, this may be too soon following the worm with eyes on its butt, but the Paris Zoo has a blob that has no mouth, no stomach, and no eyes, but it can detect food and digest it. It also has 720 sexes, can move without legs or wings, and heals itself when cut in half. Oh, and it apparently learns, too. Sleep well, Josh. I will sleep well <laughs> I because I love this blob. I'm obsessed with it. It looks kind of like yellow lace. Yeah. It kind of has a, a coral-like appearance. It's sort of cloudy and sort of like brain-like in its, its structure. But it's we- it's hard to tell when you look at the pictures because I at first thought that it was that the log that it's on was part of the blob. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just the kind of fungus-looking thing. Well, they don't know if it's a fungus or an animal. When you click on the link, it doesn't get less scary. Right. It is a, it's a collection of unicellular organisms so called that a feels slime like, mold. Yeah. I don't know if this is a time lapse or not, but that kind of branching thing that it yeah. does as it moves around. It does look like the um, ribbon worms. Have you guys ever seen no. uh, these videos? Oh, it's really upsetting. No. <laughs> 
Um, there are these uh, sea worms that live really like at the bottom of the ocean. There are some viral videos that went around where, and if you bring them up uh, to, to sea level, they're not really built to withstand the pressure um, oh. or the lack of pressure, I guess, at sea level. And um, so they kind of become really red and inflamed and then <laughs> they throw up their uh, digestive system. Oh, cool. And it, it looks like that. It looks like this sort of lacy thing that kind of just shoots out. Um, but it's actually uh, it basically killing itself to try to find Aww, food uh, as a last. It's sad, but yeah. it's also kind of like yeah. awesome, not in the sense of it's cool, crazy. No, but it's like awe inspiring. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it's like but, something that Russian deep sea fishermen would have. Yeah, I think he might have maybe had one of those. I can't remember. It definitely looks like a sea sponge or something. It looks very much like an underwater creature. Yeah. Well, that's like that kind of stuff, like coral and sponges, which is like really in this like weird gray area between being an animal and being a plant or like a mold or something when like that. When they say it can learn. Right. <laughs> that's the qu- They didn't give enough information about the learning um, because, yeah, they say that you can you can mush two of them together and what one has learned will be transmitted to the newly formed blob. And that you can like cut it up and it'll come back together. But like, what does it learn? What does it? What, what did I you teach know. the well, law? The one thing I feel like it should be a master of is sex, <laughs> because it apparently has seven hundred and twenty sexes. Yeah, what does said. that mean? Okay, so that um, means the seven hundred twenty sexes are really mating types. Yeah, um, as explained, right. there was a thread. One of my favorite Twitter accounts, NYC Southpaw, uh, was like, "What is this?" And then had a, a clip from an article from JSTOR where they were like, basically, it is. It's like so hard to wrap your brain around. No, that's what's so cool about 720 it. 720 sources of mitochondrial DNA available to the blob, any of which can combine with another to produce a zygote. I think I read it like four times. No, that makes sense. And I think that's what I'm it doing. is. Yeah, I, I can I can wrap my head around that versus when I thought it was 720 genders. I yes. was like, yeah, what? <laughs> like, tell wow. me all of them. Yeah. I want to know them all. That rules. Yeah, it does. I love things that are in between species and. We don't know what they are. Yep. Well, it seems like it must have been um, like very, like it's one of these things that must be like super ancient. It's just one of these like very rudimentary life forms that also feels like hyper advanced when you start thinking well, about it. Well, people are very like, <laughs> uh-oh. Why? Because they were like, it's going to take over like the blob. Well, yeah. I mean, they did name it after. I, by the way, it was so weird because I just recorded the blob. It Let's was talk playing. about that blob for a minute. The horror movie blob. 1958, yeah. the blob. The 58 uh, blob. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. It's so scary. It's really scary. It takes a long time to get into its freakiness. Eyes about a there. face. Yeah. Um, I like movies like that. And the remake, also scary. The remake yeah. is pretty gross I've always found the blob to be like one it. of the scariest monsters of all the monsters. Because right. you can't get through to it. Because it has no yeah. face. It has no yeah. face. It like isn't a thing that we recognize as being like an animal that we know, but mm-hmm. it's totally believable yeah. as like space goo would be some sentient space goo. Well, it's like the kind of scary aspects of the Terminator, but without a human body exactly. to kind of like identify with. It's just the metal coming yeah. together. Well, it's yeah, that's the, the scary part is that you can't yeah. destroy it. It yeah. will It'll continue. keep coming. And in a way, it becomes like more invincible the right. more it heals itself because it can learn... Because each new blob becomes a big blob again. It because, but also because it like can learn from the experience of having been cut in half, presumably, and it can learn new tactics to avoid being cut in half. So essentially, like by being able to continually merge with other blobs, it could be completely yeah, omniscient. A, a giant organism made up of a billion tiny little omniscient mm-hmm. organisms. Well, that's what we're gonna be one day, yeah. you guys. <laughs> yep, can't wait. The Borg might hive, but for good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, guys, is the blob our animal of the month? Oh, for sure. Or we don't know if it's an animal. It's just our... It's our, a thing. Our friend. Yeah. It can be the night call mascot. Yeah. Very close to I being a fungus. We might be the it mascot. Yeah. Should we take another science icebreaker? Uh, I think so. Um, this one's also from Live Science, our favorite source of science <laughs> news. Vetted. Vetted and forget it. <laughs> Vetted and forget it. <laughs> um, this story is by Stephanie Pappas. It says scientists implant false memories into bird brains. This one blew my mind even more than the blob thing. because Impossible. Pre- presented very matter of fact. It says scientists have taught little birds to memorize a tune without ever learning it. And they did so by implanting memories of the songs in the birds' brains. 
Okay, so basically Cow. what this really is, though, is so zebra finches learn to sing from their fathers. Like, baby zebra finches are taught by their fathers. They're so cute also. They're so zebra cute. Zebra finches are adorable. They're some of the cutest birds. Yeah. So scientists used um, some optogenics, which is basically kind of pulsing light, to control the bird's brain cells. And I think there's a, there's a quote from Live Science. By pulsing light in a rhythm, the researchers were able to encode memories in the finches' brains such that the bird's notes would match the duration of the light pulses. It was as if a father figure were making these instructions for the bird to memorize, but no father finch was present. God, it's terrifying. (laughs) What's really interesting about it is so I guess scientists were doing this kind of to see if they could teach nonverbal humans to speak by kind of bypassing any therapy and going directly into the brain, which I suppose could be good and useful, but we're kind of cynical. There was and it also seems like maybe not. Did right. we? T- I don't know if we talked about it on the show, but there was another article about some experimental military technology that was about like beaming sound messages to people from far away so that it's like you can hear it inside your brain. Mm. I think I remember that. <laughs> Stuff really? like that. Just real Manchurian candidate. I think we'll be texting Stuff. each other with our brains within the next 30 years. I saw something about people getting chips implanted. Uh, no thanks. Did, oh, oh, yeah. Like, n- there, people are starting to do the, the credit card stuff and personal information. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah, absolutely do don't do that. that. Yeah. I was already against Apple Watches, like, using Apple Watches to, like, have your your, your credit card and, and your, like, getting texted, getting a vibration on your body. I, think, I like, hate all that. Apple Watches Ugh. so much. I'm still shocked that I am friends with people who have Apple Watches. <laughs> oh, I'm not friends with any with Apple Watches anymore. <laughs> You're friends with them so you can push them over so that their watch will hit the ground and shatter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're doing them a favor. I feel like um, what what was the thing? I'm trying to re- like remember what you're talking about though with the the sound waves like uh, it, it, like triggering a memory or something or, or like uh, transmitting uh, information. I mean, I know I don't know if you've been watching country music still, <laughs> but there was a radio station that this guy, this crazy guy started just on the other side of the Mexican border that was like a super transmitter station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, the signal was the strongest, like, I don't think it's even legal to make a signal this strong anymore, but it was like so strong that in nearby farms, if you had a fence, like a metal fence, you could you could touch it and you would hear the radio. <laughs> Whoa. Like, it, like it would transmit through your body. Well, I used to get, <laughs> this will be foreshadowing for our guest, but I got Radio Disney through my phone line always. Uh, I remember that. Because we live near a radio transmitter that was at the time Radio Disney. And so anytime I was on a landline phone, it would come through. Faintly, like Britney Spears, because it was in the late 90s, early 2000s. um, Which explains a lot about me, obviously. (laughs) I had an acquaintance once who received a radio station through his, I think think it was his landline. And he lost his mind and covered his house in tinfoil. Whoa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it would do something that's inescapable like that, that just feels like it's in the air that's being transmitted either through your phone line or through, like, you know, the furniture in your house or something. Like, I mean, that would make you go crazy. It, yeah. yeah. It would. Then, it's very disruptive. And then what if it trained you to sing a song? Right. Right. <laughs> or like, how do uh, – that's how that's – how, that's how when you listen to a pop song for the first time, you're like, I feel like I know it already. <laughs> it's because it's been implanted in your brain already. It sounds like a good Gingy Ito story. Right? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go work on this well, or speaking, slash research and confirm it. Speaking of things listening to you and you listening to things, should we take a night call? Yes. yes. Okay, this one comes from April. Hi, friends. I've been a big fan since the Girls in Hoodies days. I've been going through your archive and wanted to share my personal my phone is a spy experience. I was listening to another podcast where they made a joke about Swedish fish, the candy. They maybe said the brand four times. I laughed a lot for several minutes. I never said the word Swedish fish, nor retold the joke to anyone. Yet one day later, there were ads for Swedish fish on my Facebook account. This was terrifying. Have any of you received ads for something you never Googled nor said, but heard through your phone via a podcast or other audio? Thanks, Night Call, April. I mean, I'm almost positive I have. Yeah, this sounds, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess it make I, it depends. Maybe if you're listening to it on speakerphone, which I'm half the time if I listen to a podcast, I'm just listening to it on speakerphone mm-hmm. or like in my car, so my phone would be hearing it. Uh, but I don't know. It's also, but it's also kind of hard to tell something like Swedish Fish, where it's obviously you're not listening to a podcast. It's like the Swedish Fish podcast. But like a lot of times, I'll get stuff like you know. 
uh, like Blank Check recently, or, or they're still in the middle of like doing a mini series on Miyazaki. So I like get a ton of Miyazaki ads and stuff. But it's also like that's just the content that I crave anyway. So yeah. I don't know. I can't really differentiate it. But I feel like I feel like there have been. I've definitely. I like to keep mine like confused. That. Like by what? what? Just talking about nonsense? <laughs> Listening to nonsense? <laughs> just by my own media consumption habits that are probably weird and confusing. <laughs> well, like, I got concerned because I got, there was like a DWP rebate where you could get a Nest thermostat for free. No, 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 no. I did it. No, no, I no, no, did no, 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 no. Well, no. The, my reasoning was I was just like, my DWP bill is really high. No. Maybe this will help. But then I just saw today about how the Nest is just always listening to you, always kind of recording what you're it saying. It listens? It has an audio function? Well, yeah, it yeah, lights yeah. up It it's, lights up when like you go in ring. front of it. There was a thing that came out. That, I also well, the have ring the ring. Bad. I have all this shit, you guys. There was a thing guys. that came out that the people who do Nest and Ring, whoever that is. They, well, Nest is Google or is right, linked to Google. Google yeah. that they were trying to like make partnerships with police service people being right. like we will give you whatever we hear okay but theoretically ring has issued a statement claiming that they don't it's up to you to believe it or not i mean i'm not sure but i ended up getting the ring just because someone rang my doorbell a ton of times when i was in the shower and it like made me absolutely maybe they were doing it to try and get you to buy a ring it worked Whoa. i know now i'm under the silver lake about it but yeah <laughs> well the the nest thing i mean i i i feel less anti-nest just because it like will you know supposedly reduce your energy that's the thing intake. i felt i felt almost like i had to right. because i was you know i live in an old house with like yeah. old systems and i was like anything to chip I away at this reduce my energy intake by moving off the grid okay well let yeah. us know when you do that <laughs> right uh, in the meantime i think it's okay i, I want, think it's okay to have a nest i want right all now. the surveillance devices out of my life I want all, I was just thinking about it today because I was like, I went for a walk without my phone and I felt so relaxed. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, what if I was never stressed out? But you know, you can just do that too. Like, you can just like, but it made me think about how hard it would be because I was like, I have a computer, all the computers are microphones now and cameras. Like, what would it take to actually get back to a, because it is crazy just to think about like, in the Watergate era when people were taping things, how much more you need to do to make that happen. Mm -hmm. Now it's like everyone is carrying a free surveillance device on them all the time. I think that there's something to be said for trying to like have a lot of time away from those things, but still having them because you kind of need them to be part of society. And you really don't want to be. Katie Natopoulos was posting about a phone that's supposed to be for kids, but she was like, it's really for parents. It's like a throwback phone. It's like a jitterbug. It's uh, which is the phone for old people that I would also am interested in. It <laughs> what has, is a jitterbug? Like? A jitterbug. They only advertise it in like Parade magazine. <laughs> oh, so good. It's like phones too hard. Like, yes, are agreed. The, are Actually. the buttons too small and hard to read? And you too many functions, and you don't want all these apps and things. It's just a phone that's got like two buttons, and the buttons are like call, yeah. emergency, but you call. can't text from it. I, I don't think you can text from it. I think it's just like a brick phone. This it's is like the problem with those phone. phones is that I feel like it's not that uncommon. My perspective on it is that I wish phones only texted and you could not speak with someone on the phone. Right, right. I, I want to do away with that. I also don't want the internet on it. I don't want the internet. I, I want it to be a texting phone a, and a, a, and texting a camera device. phone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Texting device. I think that's what the baby phone might be like. Oh, give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> Jitterbug, okay. Jitterbug and or baby phone, baby phone. whatever it's called. Uh, sponsor night call. Please sponsor Night Call. I think I just want the Jitterbug because I, I like, as you guys know, I like to talk on the phone still. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like, hey, do you still like to talk on the phone, but the numbers and letters need to be really big for you to see what you're dialing? totally. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the buttons is like a life alert, probably. Well, I mean, you never know. Like, (laughs) I'm never going to say no, like never to having a life alert device. Yeah, if you fall and you can't get up, you need a jitterbug. Yeah. Yeah. Falling and and not being able to get up has... uh, does not discriminate. That's the reason to have a phone. I mean, honestly, that's yeah. that's like I'm not saying there are no times when it's good to have a phone. Can I tell a quick story? The other day I went to the dentist. I've already told Molly and Emily like so much about my trip to the dentist. <laughs> but one thing I don't think I told them yet was um I went with my husband to the dentist because we hadn't been to the dentist in a really long time. We like wanted to do more moral support. So we went and then he like got a call that he had to be at work in like half an hour. 
and I was still getting dentisted. So I was like, <laughs> okay, you go and I'll like get a ride share. And then I realized my phone was dead. And it took, we've eventually, I was like, I'll walk home. And he was like, but it's like two and a half miles. And I was like, I can do it. But then I was kind of like, but without my phone. See, things like that do too. Do I want That's to? That's what else is like, what if the power did go out for some reason? What if there was an EMP? What if there's, yeah. yeah what if the big one happens or whatever and we're all like, don't have our phones anymore. But then your phone won't work because in a huge emergency like that, then the cell, yeah. everything's overloaded. So your phone's no, not going to work. That's what I'm saying. What, like, yeah. like, everyone's so unprepared for their phones mm-hmm. not to work. Uh, we had an event where we tried to do a meetup recently that was thwarted in part by the fact that our phones didn't work on top of right. uh, the mountain in Griffith Park Which at the makes observatory. Sense. It's yeah. the mountains right to take away <laughs> yeah. our yeah. service. Yeah. I also, prefer not having service up there. That was also humbling to me because I was like, we are no better than Caroline Calloway. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, sometimes things go wrong on the day of an event and there's nothing you can do because it's out of your control. Right. And yeah, whenever the mason f- jars are just piling up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do. Whenever like the power goes out, you're just like oh (laughs) right Hmm. the one thing that I kind of try to pride myself on especially now that I'm driving again in Los Angeles is like I can get around without maps like and I'm good but you know what's crazy is that um David recently tried to get a map like a paper map just to like have out so that he could kind of get a lay of the land of Los Angeles you cannot buy one anywhere (laughs) really yeah I mean you have to like order one online but you can't just go to like 7-eleven or like uh, any random like newsstand or whatever to get one I bet you could get one drugstore triple a for sure yeah still maybe yeah and i bet you could get one maybe on hollywood boulevard but it'd probably be a star map <laughs> right that's true it might be limited <laughs> However, maybe the dmv a I place feel... you can just swing by easily and yeah. pick anything take up a from. number yeah. wait for your map <laughs> i feel like david might enjoy a star map maybe no. which is different from like an observatory star, star, map. star maps are terrible but aren't I'm very they all like really map. outdated no yeah most of them are They're i like, feel like johnny carson's house right <laughs> not i feel like star maps are like i have a real bugaboo about star maps and i wish they didn't exist but Mm. there should be a a restaurants map Mm -hmm. that's just like cool like historic restaurants i just like a map like i like a thompson guy that has like every single street you know alley maps i really like are those novelty maps they have on the walls places sometimes where things are drawn in a cartoon fashion love it i have one of those (laughs) of my neighborhood where i'm just like look at my house some cartoonist like was like there's one at the laurel canyon uh county store country store Mm -hmm. that is really good um is it just of laurel canyon of that area it's of laurel canyon which is also like really interesting to look at i looked at a big griffith park map today also and was maybe we should all go back to maps cartography i love maps i'm so bad at reading them you know my position on maps i love them i wish i like my dad would always just be like just look at a map and i'd be like it means nothing to me yeah landmarks i want landmarks are you good with directions like with like north south east west i need the kind of directions that are like make a left at the church you know like if you're like go north and then go west i'm like well now all the the google navigation services are like take a left at the starbucks (laughs) like it's like starbucks and other companies have paid for them to be on right well that too it's like am i if i gave up the convenience of having maps on my phone i would have to learn how to read a map really like i know that i'm not going to go back to the thomas guide mm-hmm. but what you know i'd probably be better for me speaking yeah. of maps really quickly um we were talking at some point about pokemon go collecting yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. we should talk about you, this pokemon go. <laughs> yes this is like prime night call to the point where i was like did we already talk about this did yeah we, did we know this already it feels in retrospect, obvious. I'm bringing it up even though we didn't have it on the agenda because all I could think about since this came on my radar was like, uh-oh. Yeah. So what Pokemon Go doing? is developed by a company that also developed another sort of map geocaching kind of software that is the software they use in Pokemon Go. Turns out this whole uh, startup was funded in part by InQtel which is the CIA's venture capital Uh-oh. startup. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so that was terrifying. You you played Pokemon Go, right, Emily? But I Molly, did. did you? 
No, I, I play. I watched Emily play. A That's bunch of the way times. to do it. Um, yeah. So I'm. They they have all my data um, via you guys. I'm just. It's called InQtel. Yeah, it's called in dash Q dash tell because the Q is like Q from James Bond, and it's the branch of the CIA that deals in like new technologies and new <sighs> gadgets. And oh, I'm breaking your brain right now. Oh uh, no! I'm just like I hate. I hate when nerd ass shit isn't like. Silicon Valley slash CIA Look, I mean, they've always done stuff like that. Yeah, I know. I hate it. And we all hate it. But also, (laughs) like, it feels like a thing that everyone has to talk about more and more. Yeah. Because, you know, like, maybe I don't want to give up maps to have a Thomas guide, but, like, I'll give up Prime to not fund ICE, you know? Okay, so we totally knew this already. Like, Ashley Feinberg actually wrote about this in Gawker, like, in 2016. Um, I think that this had had come out at at, at some point. Or maybe it was just, like, something that was being discussed on on Reddit boards. Yeah, I think it was known that it was the same software as this other thing that was clearly, like, a government um, project. It was called Ingress. Yeah, this game, which is a really scary name for a game. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody played it, but then as soon as you slap a cute Pikachu on it, it's like, oh, we all gotta do it. I know people who still play Pokemon Go. No, me too. Yeah. Uh, and it, you know, it's not Pokemon's fault that they're the game who became the face of this. It could have been any game, really. I'm just saying you can play Let's Go Pikachu <laughs> from your house and not move, and no one will track you, and no one will know. I think just what we're talking about though is like the the difficulty of becoming a person who's not being tracked is seems like impossible to oh, entangle yeah. yourself from right. right now. Right. Which is why we all are so depressed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a very special guest we want to bring on, uh, Karina Longworth, past and future guest and present guest. I said past, future and present guest and one of our favorite podcasters um, to talk about her new season of You Must Remember This, which is all about the Song of the South. So we're going to talk to her about uh, weird buried uh, Disney features and uh, theme park rides and lots of Disneyland. So stay tuned for that. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease this is it your moment this is your time to make your comeback with purdue global when you come back with a purdue global degree you create opportunity for yourself your family and your future it's a degree you can be proud of a degree that employers will trust and respect purdue global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals these include associate bachelor's master's and doctoral degrees and certificates Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Welcome back to Night Call. We are joined today by our very special guest and one of our favorite podcasters, Karina Longworth of the podcast You Must Remember This. Welcome, Karina, to Night Call. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so Yay. happy to be here. Welcome back. Welcome Thank back. You. Well, actually, you only were on in during our live stream. Isn't that right? No, I was on oh, one, yeah. but it, it was only me and Tess in the LA studio. That's yeah. right. That's right. I forgot. See, I have a weird memory now that I'm in the studio. It's like there are so <laughs> many guests that we've had that I've just been like virtually communing with. But yeah. We've also um, had guests that not all of us have had in a variety of podcast configurations. Yes, which is true. Can be like when Chris Cantwell came in, I was like, we've done this before. And you guys were like, no, "No, not with us. (laughs) Uh, Karina, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Karina is debuting the new season. I believe it starts tomorrow as of when this comes out uh, of her podcast. You must remember this. And we're all very excited to hear that it is about a very contested property in the Disney Plus catalog. Song of the South. Yeah, that's kind of the whole thing is that Bob Iger um, has said that this is the one film that they will not put on Disney+. Plus. Does that mean everything else will eventually come to Disney+, Plus? because I saw people saying there were some other random catalog titles omitted? Yeah, I mean, I think it... They they haven't ruled anything else out entirely the way that they have this, but I also I think people are just confused about rights issues right now. Like nobody really knows exactly what Disney owns, right? Because they acquired all of Fox, but some things like that were released by Fox don't count as Fox right. movies, and some things that Disney released don't count as Disney movies anymore. Yeah, I saw they were giving up the rights to the Miyazaki movies. Oh, yeah, right. they, they already had, I think, which is so somebody crazy. else is going to stream. They gave them it now. to HBO, yeah. which I'm like, yeah. that's to me one of the crown jewels of like, if you're going to have oh, yeah. animation right. online. That's but a big draw. Then I was uh, arguing with somebody about the Disney dubs, which I think are bad. Mm. Mostly bad. Yeah, there there are some good ones. We could do a whole. But other I was also like, <laughs> I was also like, thank God we'll never have to look at like John Lasseter's. Smug, oh yeah, horrible face doing those intros ever again. No, that's the yeah. worst part of the Disney releases. So I mean, maybe that's why they gave it up. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, oh. So why did you <laughs> decide to do Song of the South? So I was um, just as like a a thing where I I had been asked by some people to see if I could help them try to figure out a TV show idea set in basically like classical Hollywood, but black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like doing some research just about the history of African-Americans in Hollywood and trying to figure out different storylines. And I came to Song of the, ha- the South as being, you know, surprisingly, I guess, but one of the first movies that was made by white people starring a black person. So mm-hmm. um, this guy, James Basket, plays Uncle Remus, who's a kindly older African-American gentleman on a plantation right after the Civil War who befriends a little white boy. Sorry, and you could say he's magical. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> he, I mean, he really is like kind of the the prototypical yeah. magical Negro mm-hmm. in 1946. And this was a really big part for a black actor in Hollywood in 1946. Um, so I, you know, that was just sort of like one of the films that I came across in this research, but I came across a fact that I had never known about it, which was that it was written by a white communist named Maurice Rapp, who was blacklisted immediately after. Oh. And so I was like, oh, if there's, you know, this is kind of how my thought process usually works with putting together these seasons, which is like, if there's one thing that I find out about something that I'd 
never heard of before. I just basically tried to figure out, are there other things? Mm -hmm. And with Song of the South, like pretty quickly, like all of the sort of pearls started lining up to form a necklace. And now we have six episodes. (laughs) Wow. It's called the six degrees of Song of the South. Does each episode focus on like a different aspect of the Song of the South saga? Basically, like the first episode is, you know, just sort of why does this movie exist and what is it like to watch, which I felt like I had to explain because it is not commercially available and hasn't been for a long time. How did you see it? So they did release it on Laserdisc in Japan, I think in the 90s. And so there is a digital version of that that is sort of floating around. Mm. And I actually like I didn't torrent it yesterday or anything like for some reason it was on a hard drive that was in my house and has been for a long time what so it was like on a hard drive of movies that I think were probably like torrented or ripped from other sources like a long time ago so I I don't actually know where to tell people to go if they want to see it even illegally but I'm sure you could figure it out you said that it was released four times theatrically right and the last one was in 86 yeah so I saw it for the first time that's the one when when you saw it Yeah. yeah Um, yeah, I, I, I felt like I had seen it growing up, but I think it was just because they were still putting songs from it and like sequences from it on sing-along Same. I was going to say, I thought maybe I had seen it, but then I was like, I really don't know that I have. I just know like Zippity-Doo-Dah, which was definitely on a Disney sing-along And I remember like, I thought there was a clip of like the laughing place Mm. that was Mm. featured in something. Because I definitely remember that. Well, there, it's obviously in Splash Mountain, but I think there was... (laughs) Maybe like a, a cl- there were clips I think because I watched a lot of like Disney Afternoon and yeah, stuff yeah, yeah where those things were sampled. We were talking about the Zapruder film a lot recently <laughs> as being something Shockingly. that was once really hard to find and sort of the the inability of people to watch it added to its mythos so much. Mm-hmm. The Song of the South like is it kind of what you thought it was going to be? So I had had memories of it from seeing it in the movie theater in 1986 when I was six years old. Or actually, it might have been five years old. I don't remember exactly what part of the year it was put mm-hmm. out in. But do you remember being like, this is racist? Not at all. And actually, I do remember my mother saying something to me like, this is a movie about how the races can live together. Yeah. It's about friendship between a black man and a white boy, which is what people thought in the 80s. It's what Walt mm-hmm. Disney thought, for sure. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, I just I hadn't really remembered it very well, and I certainly didn't remember that two thirds of the movie is live action, yeah. and that it's like this live action family drama set on this plantation where like this little boy is just basically his parents are completely neglecting him. His parents are having some kind of separation, and his dad is in Atlanta, and they're like on this rural plantation, and he's sort of left to his own devices. So he becomes friends with this former slave, but then his mom is like, "Stop." teaching my son these like slave stories (laughs) she's like you're a bad influence so it's like the secret garden kind of it has kind of that kind of thing to it and then you know like the the whole climax of the movie is that like the little boy's on his deathbed so there's just a lot of melodrama oh no but he tells him all the brer rabbit stories yeah and those are those are the things that are animated and it, it does the kind of uh, like Mary Poppins esque like melding of the live action, terrifying, and animated. Yeah. but only I a little of, bit. I mean, like not in this movie because I obviously also don't remember seeing it. But uh, <laughs> but I kind of th- think that stuff is fun. No, I like it. I, <laughs> I like, like it, it sometimes. I like Pete's Dragon. Uh, yeah. I like Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I was going to say Bedknobs and, and Mary, Mary Poppins. And we all yeah. we all love Who Framed Roger exactly. Rabbit, yeah. which is the best. But this was the first movie that did it on the, like a feature film scale, and so Disney really thought that it was going to be heralded as just like this major technological advancement. You know, he really thought like the whole industry was just going to like get down on their hands and knees and be like, King Walt, Saint Walt, like you have reinvented (laughs) cinema. One of the things I've really come to realize about Walt is that he was really like the first tech bro. Mm -hmm. Oh, totally, yeah. You know, he liked the way that he wanted everyone to live on the campus at Disney and like you should just be so happy to work here that... Mm -hmm. You don't need things like a living wage or benefits because you work for a genius. And you're exposed to magic. Yeah. And and I thought one of the interesting things when you were – because we we got to listen to the first episode in advance. So uh, what's what's the date that it drops, by the way? October 22nd. The 22nd, the day after this is out. Yeah. So, yeah. Tomorrow. Look look for that. But um, I thought it was so interesting that, like – the technological aspect of it, it was like Walt sort of respond because they had, they had gone through some flops or some like less than, you know, stellar box office performances. And he had this idea that like 
animation was only going to connect with the masses if it did have this blended in with live action thing, which feels like kind of a first version of now, like Disney basically abandoning uh, 2D animation for 3D because it's like nobody will connect with something if it isn't in three dimensions and like always second guessing like the original thing that they did and were good at. Uh, I think it's also like whatever the newest technology is, we must adopt it. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because it'll be better than the previous thing, which is not always true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in fairness to Walt, like, I mean, he was ultimately wrong because they did have purely animated films later that were big hits. But Snow White had been this real, like, industry-changing hit in 1937, I think. I don't remember the exact year. But it was in the 1930s. And then they kept putting out movies that weren't making as much money. Like, Pinocchio was a huge flop. Dumbo did okay, but they also made Dumbo for, like, half a million dollars. It was super, super cheap to make. It's like 60 minutes, too. It's like barely a feature length But then they made like a decent profit off of this movie called Three Caballeros, which was like actually kind of a compilation of shorts. Mm -hmm. But some of the... And a travelogue. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But some of the shorts involved basically like Donald Duck and these two like South American birds hanging out like with real people. Like it was really the first instance of blending this live action with animation. And so... You know, I mean, to be fair, like he just looked at the data and he was like, "We were doing cartoons and then like with to diminishing returns, and then we kind of like perked back up when we brought in live action with the cartoons." Yeah, when I watched the uh, Disney American Masters on PBS, which I recommend to anyone who wants to see like a critical historically accurate biography of Walt Disney. Which are very rare. Which are hard to find because they're mostly put out by Disney. (laughs) Yeah. And when you hear the Disney company ones are always like, Disney like started, it had Snow White, it was the biggest hit, and then it just became more successful with each new release. People loved it more and more. And when you watch the PBS doc, it's like, no, that he almost tanked the company like a hundred times. It is, again, very techie where it's like, no, we have to gamble it all on the next project each time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they almost went under a lot. Yeah. That's what's so funny about Disneyland is like by the time they're in the place where they can open Disneyland, like all the movies that are featured in it, like half of them were flops (laughs) and are being like immortalized in these magical rides that are now beloved by everybody. Right. And then they like retcon them as, no, it was a hit. Everybody loved it. (laughs) And it's fine. Yeah. If you just look at like the original you know, box office returns, it's absolutely insane that there's a Wind in the Willows ride. Right. Well, that's, yeah. that, you know? that's so good. That's but, the best ride. But the thing is, is that all of these movies do end up becoming like hits or classics or whatever you want to call it because of this strategy of theatrical re-release. And so they keep being exposed to new generations and then they just kind of become canonized over time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but when Song of the South came out, the NAACP protested it and told mm-hmm. Walt not to put it out because they were like, this movie's racist. It's about like a condescending stereotype of black people and like the romanticized antebellum South. And Walt was like, nope, you're wrong. I'm just going to put it out anyway because I know what's best for everyone. Well, he was also like conspiracy theorizing that like they had been put up to it by somebody, like probably the commies, right? <laughs> like, right. So he basically, like one of the major cataclysmic events in Disney history is when the animators went on strike but right before World War II. And he just felt so betrayed and from that point on, not only was obsessed with communists, but obsessed w- with the idea that communists were out to get him personally. Mm-hmm. And so, and also, you know, I mean, he wanted to believe that he had made like a liberal movie about like, you know, equality and and tolerance between the races, but he was racist enough to (laughs) believe that black people couldn't actually be activists or intellectuals unless communists were brainwashing them. I keep bringing up Art Babbitt, the Jewish hottie who invented Goofy. And then (laughs) that's who led the animator strike and who Walt thought was, you know, turning everyone against him. But One thing I didn't really realize that I have learned recently that I thought was interesting was that even at that time that people did think that like it wasn't people naturally turning towards leftism or communism that they were being influenced by Mm -hmm. people from abroad implanting ideas in their heads. Mm -hmm. Um, That seems like a reach. (laughs) (laughs) Well, totally. And especially in this case, like, I mean, there's two. There were two phases of protest against Song of the South. There was the protest as soon as people found out he was making it, in which where African American intellectuals were like, "Hey, Walt, like, could we help you with this? Like, could we, you know, read the script, give you notes, like something? Can we be part of the process?" And he was like, "Nah." And then the movie came out, and that's when the activist group started actually picketing and mm-hmm. like trying to boycott it. And I mean, as I get into a little bit, like they. The problem was that there wasn't a united front. There were some people who were like, Mm -hmm. you know what? Like, this movie 
isn't that bad because at least like it gave a couple of African-American actors jobs. Right. Yeah. You yeah. Just take whatever, whatever you can get. Which mm-hmm. feels like a like that that kind of conflict still goes on with films now. Oh, for now. sure. Like yeah. It's, and it's like such an interesting argument for like, yeah, okay, fine. We won't like put all of our energy towards protesting and like uh, trying to get this one thing, you know, taken down or you know not showed or whatever because it's not like it's not that big of a deal. It's not like Avatar or whatever. It's not taking over the entire world. But then like. In the case of a Disney movie, it will come out again. Right. It will come out again and again yeah. and again. Like, it's a zombie. Um, let's take it, if we shall, to Splash Mountain. Right. Yeah. Which is the way that most people today probably, if at all, are familiar with Song of the South. Well, okay. Do you guys think that people who ride Splash Mountain know that it refers to a movie? Because I don't know. No, I don't think they do because it doesn't say Song of the South anywhere no. on yeah. it. It's like the Br'er Rabbit. And again, it is like it doesn't have Uncle Remus in it. It's more of like a Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox yeah. and Br'er Bear thing, which are real plantation folktales that were collected in those books Yeah, uh, that are good but so it's just a plantation themed uh plantation no, mythology themed I don't, right? I don't know if i put it together for like a very long time and also it's like they repurposed a lot of old animatronics from another show called america sings yeah so it was also sort of during maybe a time when they didn't when they were like we, we have to build a new ride but we're gonna like cut corners a little bit and use all these old animatronics from a stage show that killed somebody yeah when the revolving platform crushed someone which, by the way, like, I had not heard this oh. until we talked on the phone earlier this week about it. When she it, was trapped beneath a revolving floor? Yeah. Yeah. How did that... Do you know... It was like a revolving stage Do you know how they have those thing. stages at Disney yeah. that are like, they... It's in the, what's that, whatever's now, like the Hall of Innovations or whatever, uh-huh. that that round kind of building in Tomorrowland. Yeah. It was in there. So those animatronics Oof. were already... Haunted. Cursed. Yeah. Yes. From Westworld. <laughs> They're Westworld. Mm-hmm. Isn't it strange that you go as a child or even as an adult to Splash Mountain and you never think to question what movie is this from? Until you know. But it's like, I went on Splash Mountain so many times and it was it never occurred to me like, what movie is this? Yeah. It just looks like Disney stuff. Yeah. I mean, one thing I'll say about that, and the last episode of the season is all about Splash Mountain and Disneyland. Um, Can't wait. That was the big ride to open, I feel like, in my childhood, too. Yeah. Yours. Like, that was the new ride. Yeah, yeah. Everybody had to go. Yeah. But, so... It like it opened in 1989, and I had been to Disneyland a few times before that because I was nine years old by then. Um, and there were a lot of rides, especially in that part of Disneyland, that didn't refer to movies. Like there was no Pirates of the Caribbean movie until right. true, true, more yeah. recently, and no ha- Haunted Mansion movie until mm-hmm. recently. The other thing that I do talk about in that episode, though, so I don't want to talk about it too much right now, but that whole part of Disneyland is just like this very weird resurrection of the 1800 South. Yes, yeah. and so <laughs> it, like in a way. It makes perfect sense that they yeah. would put a Song of the South ride right that's there. True. Well, that's like that's totally Walt Disney's aesthetic is like the romanticized imaginary antebellum South. Yeah, because yeah. he grew up in St. Louis. Uh, oh, I didn't know working that. in a factory. Well, that's what Main Street USA is. Is it's yeah. his yeah. Mm-hmm. imaginary version of what the Main Street of St. Louis, Missouri, was like when he was a kid. Oh, it's all like his memories and his fantasies, which are apparently all very southern and weird or like weird manifest destiny nightmare stuff Mm -hmm. also yeah i'm sure of a lot of it is just imagined and not based in reality at all but just like it's like this collective like memory of what the south there's also like like some wildly racist stuff in disneyland still that's not in splash mountain but on the jungle cruise the jungle cruise is so racist still i can't believe they haven't like taken out the native animatronics Mm because they're so racist well like most of adventureland is like a big problem right Mm -hmm. for sure (laughs) (laughs) But it seems like there's a point where you're like, we take out the human beings and they're probably going to do it soon because there's a movie coming out. They're probably going to replace them all with an animatronic The Rock. Um, and Emily Blunt. And Emily yes. Blunt. Oh my God. Um, I can't be- like I can't believe it's they're making a Jungle Cruise movie. It's like of all the things you could just do a just right, do a Mr. No, Toad's Wild Ride movie and, and like You're right though, they all have their own mythology, like Big Thunder Mountain and the Matterhorn. All the mountains are their own mm-hmm. sort of, you know, theme park mythology. Yeah. Right. But it is also weird that they took so goddamn long to do a little mermaid ride 
Yeah. And there's still not really a Beauty and the Beast ride. Like, they haven't yeah. invested in sort of the movies that people really do like making rides. Except Star Wars. Except Star right, Wars. Right, And Frozen, <laughs> I heard. There's, like, a Frozen ride in Disney World that replaced, like, the Norway cruise in... Oh, funny. Uh, which people loved because it was like a Viking Pirates of the Caribbean. Mm, that sounds great. But it kind of now, <laughs> now it's just Frozen themed and it also looks still great. sounds great. No, it's yeah. like a, right. It's like a snow cave. But looks when you great. bring up Beauty and the Beast, like what would that ride even be? Just a talking just like teapot? Going to a dinner party. Yeah, yeah just a dinner party. <laughs> like, it should be a restaurant. There's no Aladdin ride, you know. Oh, oh like a Magic Carpet ride. Yeah, yeah. like but a Lion King ride. Just we were, all the new classics. Yeah, but during that time, like when Little Mermaid was new, they opened up Splash Mountain. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Because yeah. I remember being like, I want a Little Mermaid ride. And then yeah. I was like, this is good enough because there's water. Right. Well, I went on 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and they have that big, like, foam mermaid that just sort of, like, uh, bobs by. That ride was so great before they turned <laughs> no, into they a really, finding Nemo. Have you totally been yeah. on it sucks. since? Yeah. It's so sucks. awful. It's really bad. Even my kids were really upset it's, about that ride. They'd never been on the previous Look, one, but they were like, those aren't real. <laughs> I'm just really all. excited for the night call. You must remember this. Uh, theme park (laughs) well we were talking about before we started recording like because they have done these rebrandings of several rides um like you know recently they they changed the the um tower of terror into a guardians of the galaxy ride yeah thumbs down but like there is a possibility that they might decide to rebrand splash mountain like to distance themselves further from uh this thing that they want to deny exists and it's like would we protest that? (laughs) Well, I'm also like, what if they just embraced it fully, which I don't think they will do, but what if they were like, now we'll just make a Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox movie that like doesn't have this framing device and like we'll let, you know, a black director and a black writer, like what if they were like, we fucked up, we're gonna try and do something to acknowledge it. Yeah, that that would be interesting. That would make more sense to me than just wiping things and pretending they don't exist, which is what they do, which is very Well, it's Bob Iger's comments that you mentioned in the first episode of your podcast of the season it was really like th- he has an interesting kind of frankness when he talks about like this wouldn't be appealing to shareholders or this would this would be like detrimental to the shareholders where mm-hmm. you would expect someone from Disney to handle things like a little more like sensitively or like humanoid like no, it's, it's no. a really weird quote because basically what he's saying is like He's like, well, you know, I'm such a good person that I'm willing to take a financial loss here. Right. He basically says, like, like even though I think we could make a profit if we released it, it might be offensive to some people now, so we won't. <laughs> and so it's just, it could have been phrased in many different, it better just ways. It yeah. so strange to me because yeah. I was like, can you not just be like, what a mess up Right. Yeah. I was so like, like, wow. If you cared about that, like, people die in their cars that work at Disneyland. Like, right, exactly. that would also yeah. affect how the shareholders think about the company. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much you kind of came across this sort of stuff in your research where, where a lot of times I think the thing that feels creepy about Disney, especially now, like in this late period of Disney, is that it does feel like a religion and that, like, there's all this sort of, like, conning and like kind of skirting around things that don't make sense or that like over time people have realized like are you know problematic or like you know stuff that they don't want to acknowledge as part of the history and so it rather than just like have any kind of honest history of it it's just sort of like nope it didn't it never happened just brushing it under the rug it's great that we have your podcast (laughs) um and also yeah check out the pbs american masters about walt disney Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is it. 
your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. So we wanted to ask you just one night call question before we let you go. Um, do you think we landed on the moon, Karina Longworth? <laughs> so as I was uh, like about to say um, before we started recording, when I was in college, I had like a there was like a visiting professor who came and showed us his documentary he had made where he was basically trying to prove that we didn't and that it was shot in a soundstage. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously he couldn't prove that. Or maybe not, obviously, but he couldn't prove it. But he made like some compelling evidence that like the footage had been destroyed or whatever. Um, and I remember going home to my apartment that I shared with my boyfriend at the time, and my my boyfriend who had already been kicked out of college, but like believed that he knew better than anything he could learn in college, was like, "You're a fucking idiot, Karina. You're so gullible." <laughs> and so I I dropped it, but I don't know. Maybe there's. <laughs> There's well, more to learn. What was the evidence that the footage had been destroyed? Do you remember? No. Or, no. <laughs> no, but I mean, he was, it was like, it had like a real Room 237 vibe. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Like kind of like... cobbled together, like uh, montage stuff. Mm-hmm. When you yeah. slow that stuff down too, it starts to look real weird. Right. Uh, the question somebody brought up to me is, um, why haven't we gone back if we can go, why did this we only? This is one of the common. Why did moon we only go arguments. during, especially the Nixon years, a time known for their truthfulness about <laughs> what the American government was doing? Um, that's a great do we, question. Do we do we answer that here? Finally, like, doesn't it seem like if we had the capability to go to the moon, people would just be going all the goddamn time? I think it's well, really expensive. It's quite is, like, expensive. The number one right, but like, issue. wouldn't we have gone in the eighties a lot? Like, check it out, we're on the moon. Reagan, <laughs> well, the moon. there was the Challenger, which sort of I think like yeah. dampened a lot of public enthusiasm for for NASA. I mean, I think that's the problem is that it's so it. I think that that the moon landing. Well, first of all, guys. Did it happen? We're not like 100% convinced at night call, correct? We're not 100%. <laughs> no, we're almost. They were in the we're 90s. Not, we don't think it didn't happen, but we're agnostic. We, we're agnostic. We're agnostic. <laughs> but let's say we did. But yeah, then the Challenger and the huge expense. I think that like the expense of that was being like poured into right. this. And as I've said a million times about Operation Paperclip, like the U.S. hired a bunch of Nazi scientists yeah. uh, and kept them from war crimes trials to try and solve the space race problem. Problem. So that's even more fucked up than if we didn't go to right. me. It is. Can right. I ask you guys a question? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously, like, we don't fund the space program anymore other than, like, that thing Trump was talking about that I forgot about. Mm-hmm. But Elon Musk does. Mm-hmm. If Elon Musk was like, we're going to the moon, and then, like, 
he went to the moon or he showed footage of being on the moon, would you believe him? No, absolutely not. No. I wouldn't believe him specifically. <laughs> but That's also, I don't believe Elon Musk about but anything. Also, was I the just, car real? The car in space, was that real? No. Wasn't Who knows? <laughs> no, you're right. Who knows if anything that he does is for real. Um, but there was something that we were going to talk about on the show that was about how a Nobel Prize winner said that we would never live on an exoplanet ever. Yes. And that all the tech barons who think we're going to like move to Mars or move to the moon are just like totally in a dream world. It's never going to happen, which I think is true. Well, so this is interesting, too. This comes from live science. Yes. And so they have Nobel this Prize winner. Yasmin Sapla-Koglu. Nice. And it's the Nobel Prize winner is Michelle Mayer. Um, but they quote him as saying, we'll never go to the moon. It just won't happen unless, like, everything changes about our understanding of mass and acceleration. It's never going to happen. And then they keep quoting people who are like, well, ne- not never. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, like they just can't commit to it, which I appreciate, where they're like, maybe in, like, a century or, like, a million years. But there's, but like, we will. people like Jeff Bezos are like, we're going now because they're like, we're going to use up Earth and then we're just going to move it to another place. Mm-hmm. And this this person who sounds like they know what they're talking about is like absolutely not uh we stand firmly on the earth and it's unlikely to change for a very very long time there's also a good reason for saying that which is that the idea being don't give up on our planet and make it uninhabitable this person is also saying that we absolutely should not just give up on Earth because that is, like, not the cool thing to do. Right. Uh, Stephen Kane, a professor of planetary astrophysics at the UC Riverside, said, the sad reality is that at this point in human history, all stars are effectively at a distance of infinity. We struggle very hard as a species to reach the Earth's moon. Do you think we're, we're ever going to live, uh, the humans will ever habitate on a planet other than, or a body other than Earth? Not until the technology advances to the point of where it is in Ad Astra, where you can have like fast food on the moon and and stuff like that. Just like freeze, like like preserve food for like hundreds of years so that you can make it make the journey. I think it's way more likely that it will be a Wall-E scenario where we're on giant spaceships that are like orbiting yeah. and just kind of waiting to return. Mm. To no Earth. thanks. Yeah, it's, no, like, right? it's <laughs> less being able to like build a civilization on a planet than it is to like build some kind of space station thing that could, that can support right. life for long periods. Mm-hmm. Of I do time. think the billionaires are going to blast off from New Zealand whenever the shit gets too bad um and then they're gonna get space brain and all go crazy and their brains will melt in space everybody wins everybody wins (laughs) karina thanks so much for coming on night call yeah sure thanks for having me and where can everybody find you and you must remember this and your patreon and all that stuff so find the podcast anywhere you get podcasts except for slate plus where it used to be but now it's not on slate anymore so you can't get it there but you can get it literally anywhere else there are podcasts uh, or at you must remember this podcast.com and you can find me on Twitter at Karina Longworth and follow me on Patreon at Karina Longworth. And that's it. And and you can uh, listen to Molly's uh, episode on your on your Patreon podcast, on your book club podcast. Yeah, we oh, talked yeah. about Dino by Nick Toshes. Dino boy, boy did we. <laughs> Still talking about Dino. We'll never stop talking about Dino. <laughs> I mean, even on night call we won't stop talking about Dino. <laughs> Got infected with the Dinos. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming by. Thank you. Karina. Thank you for listening to Night Call. That is it for us this week. We'll be back next week. Um, you can follow us on social media at Night Call Pod on Twitter, Night Call Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nightcall. We have a bunch of new fun stuff coming out for the Patreon supporters soon, including a book club episode, which will be dropping very soon about Wormwood Star the magical life of Marjorie Cameron. So if you want to get on that at the $5 level, you can check that out. We've got pins coming out soon for our $10 and up subscribers. It's a cornucopia of night call goodies. And yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. Night Call is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. 
Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you looking for the perfect move-in-ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below-market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in-ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.